0: Welcome to Kindred, hosted by me, Kate, and my sister, Jen. In this podcast, we explore our human relationship to animals and nature. The abrupt human disconnect created by the pandemic, like for many of us, turned my world and business, Otis and Rude Dog Collars, upside down. But it also emphasized the critical need in myself and others to reconnect
1: to animals and nature for our overall well-being. Join us every week as we interview scientists, conservationists, animal advocates, authors, and many others. In connecting to our world, we also connect to compassion, empathy,
0: and understanding. How can we see ourselves as not separate from animals in nature, but as a part of an active ecosystem? Welcome to Kindred. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you today, everyone? And how are you, sister? Good morning.
1: I'm excited that we're finally here and launching episode one. This has uh, been a long time in coming.
0: Yeah, me too. I am, I am incredibly excited, incredibly grateful. Can't wait to share all of the interviews we, we have for you guys and the incredible experiences we have had through listening to, to our guests and can't wait to share that with you. Um, And a little bit about how Kindred came about in 2020 spring, like everybody else, uh, my business, Otis and Rue Dog Collars, um, was shut down. And through that business, I give back to animals in need. And when we shut down, it meant that you know, there was just nothing happening, no markets, no on the ground selling. And it just suddenly, there was a void. And I had to rethink and sort of refocus on where I wanted to take the business, which ultimately was online. And I also felt this deep call to create a platform where I can have a larger voice. And Ultimately, to to start a conversation that will help not just our own human well-being, but those of animals and nature. And so that's how Kindred came about um, through a lot of work and and a lot of incredible research and finding just the most amazing humans who are doing the work to pretty much save the planet and. You know, you and I, Jen, have talked about how we we want to also learn and listen, and how can we change our everyday life, um, and not just our, you know, the call to action that we can take, but also our mindset and change our understanding and just get reconnected to this innate this innate connection that we we're born with and try to, I guess, for me, learn how Mother Nature has this all set up in a way that if we can reconnect and understand, just how can we be a better support? So this is Kindred today.
1: Yeah. And I think a huge part of it, the same as other people are doing in 2020 and 2021, trying to amplify the voices that have not been heard prior, perhaps and that are very important to hear. And I, I think that's a huge part of what called me to this is that it's a, it's a way to amplify those voices. It just hits you right in the heart.
0: Yeah, it really does. It's an emotional experience. And there's oftentimes when you and I are um, done speaking with someone that we're just blown away and our hearts are changed. And it's, um it's, in, it's incredible. And One way to contact and be in contact with us a little bit more is through our website. So if you want to drop us a a message or like a topic, you'd like us to cover anything, go to uh, kindredpodcast.co. You can find us there. Um, You can also find links to our social media and Patreon page. And all of that is also on the website. Um, And all our links are going to be in the show notes. So if you can, too, after you hear this episode, please get on and um, rate and review uh, and subscribe. Um, where and you can subscribe to anywhere you listen to your podcast. So that would be amazing. And leaving a review is super easy. You can even just touch these five stars or the stars, hopefully five stars. Please touch five stars. Please t- just, its a, instead of doing one, two, three, four, five, just hit the last one and it goes <laughs> right to five. It's super easy. And also you can leave any kind of comment. It could be like, I love ponies or anything you want. It doesn't have to be a long drawn out review. So that would be amazing um, if you guys could do that. Um, Thank you for that in advance. Now, we want to get to introducing our first guest. Today, we are talking to an archaeologist out of UCL, uh, London. So that's um, University College of London. And her name is Charlotte Frierson. And today, we will be talking to her about her connection to her dog she has anxiety and she got her dog indy who i actually came across um, on instagram so you can find um charlotte Frierson through her dog indy which is um, underscore Whippet. So Archaeo underscore whip so it's a-r-c-h-a-e-o underscore whip like archaeology but archaeo and his name is Indiana Jones's whip, which is hilarious and adorable. Um, but Charlotte is um, she is the student recruitment and experience officer. Also, she's the field work and placement coordinator and careers tutor. So she does a lot at the college there. And today she is going to link the very long-standing relationship we have had with dogs, starting with man and wolf and how that relationship connected and grew and then to man and dog you know taking us what 50 or fifty-eight thousand years ago to present day and living in a big city with an anxiety you know she's a representation of how that 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 bond and that relationship has evolved so we're really excited to talk to her let's head over to the episode and hope you guys enjoy it Charlotte Pearson, hello, how are you? Hi, how are you? I'm well, yes. I am doing well, I'm doing well. So I just wanted to start
2: with you introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you. Okay, I'm um, Charlotte Pearson. Um, I work currently at University College London in central London, so imagine... Most people know the British Museum. We're about five minutes walk from the British Museum. So as an archaeologist, I'm basically living everyone's dream. I have an undergraduate in archaeology and a master's in human evolution and primate behavior, which was quite a segue. And then I did some other stuff. And now I work uh, at the university with students. And yeah, so that's that's me. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And where did you grow up? So I was born in Essex um, and uh, for any, anyone in this country knows Essex is kind of, well, let's say we're known as Essex Girls, um, which isn't necessarily a good thing. I've heard of Essex Girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, we drove through um, Essex in, uh, in Maine a few years ago and I was like, Essex! <laughs> it wasn't quite the same. Um, but yeah, I was born in Essex and then we moved to the Middle East. So we moved to Bahrain with my dad's work because he was in the merchant navy and we moved out there and i must say i like the sunshine and i think living in the middle east when i was a kid ruined my life because of all the sunshine and then living we moved back to the uk and it was horrible because there was no sunshine and it wasn't hot and i like heat and i'm i'm kind of small um and quite thin so i really like the heat the cold just I, i feel i'm you know like a whippet i hibernate um so yeah we lived in bahrain and it's a Um, I know you know we might chat more more about it but archaeology in Bahrain is really amazing and it's where I kind of got the got the love of archaeology from um so yeah we lived there and then we moved back to Essex went to school in Essex did my first archaeological dig in Essex then I went to London for a year and now like 20 years later I'm still here so yeah I think my upbringing was quite actually it was lovely if my parents listening to this it's true I loved my upbringing loved being a kid and I'm still a kid I think at 39 I'm still playing with Lego so you know that's great yeah 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 so what was it like to be a little one in the Middle East what did you do as a little Charlotte? Cripes I went I basically went to like a Montessori school so mm. it was a lot of eating of crayons and feeling learning and and I, it, was, it was the most amazing time because you get off the plane there and the heat hits you, and then you walk around in a caftan. I never had any shoes on, so I've got completely flat feet, genuinely. Didn't wear shoes. Um, and it was the most wonderful three years. We only went to school in the mornings because it was too hot in the afternoon, so we went swimming in the afternoons, so went to the beach, uh, did gymnastics, uh, ruined my hips. Um, yeah and it was magnificent it was the best childhood
0: well that, that actually sounds incredible to not wear shoes and be warm in the the desert I'm assuming
2: yeah 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 the, I mean the, the island's only three meter uh, three meters three meters wide tiny three miles uh, you are small you said you were tiny I'm tiny <laughs> I'm like a <the> hobbit um <laughs> now the, the island's only three miles uh it's square I don't know it's a very small island um and it's very rich in archaeology and rich in history. And you go to the desert and you see old, uh, they're called Dillman Settlements. So you see a lot of that out there. And I've got a photo of me when I was about three. Uh, Converse trainers, you know, uh, Indiana Jones hat on, like exploring the ruins. Probably shouldn't have. They look very dangerous. But, you know, I was one of those kids. You're fine.
0: It, it worked out. Cray- crayons and dangerous, you know, free spirit children. Looks like it turned out really well. Yeah. So it's, it's how I'm so healthy now. Just
2: eating crayons.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) they say it's bad you've proved them wrong so do you think that was sort of a a basis for you that led you to archaeology or is this just something that's already was already in you
2: no it's definitely the basis I remember coming back to the UK and being miserable uh, and I was in the car with my dad and I looked on the back seat and there was a VHS um, so video cassette of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking he knows me he knows what I want to do, so it was going around all the old settlements and the desert and pretending to be uh, Indiana Jones in the Middle East. That I think made me just want to get involved in in history, but also working outside. I've never been much of a indoors person, so yeah, wow.
0: yeah, that sounds incredible. That's amazing. So here you are now in London and doing your archaeology, and um, I wanted to switch gears just a little bit to. Um, how you got Indy, who I see behind you curled mm-hmm. up and snuggled and is very distractingly cute. Um, tell me a little bit about living in London and, and school and um, how that sort of led you to, to Indy.
2: Well, so when we came back from the Middle East, um, I always wanted a dog. Um, and in the Middle East, well, I wasn't allowed a dog because no one really has dogs and we came back and my parents were always like no 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 we're going to move abroad again we're going to move abroad again like flash forward like 20 years and we never moved aboard again they have one on the side they did but I didn't right um obviously when I was an adult they didn't leave me here as a kid which would have been cool anyway so when I I lived in London for so long and then we moved into a flat that we kind of own which is nice and the first thing I thought was okay we can get a dog because it, here it's you know the rental um uh contracts all say no animals. No animals. You're not allowed to be happy. So as soon as we had a uh, yeah, as soon as we had a mortgage, I thought, well, well, we might as well get something good out of this. So we looked into getting a dog. And at the same time, um I was thinking more and more about, th- about things like anxiety and I don't have kids. So taking care of things, um sorry he's now dreaming behind me and still kicking me. Um <laughs> and I just thought what would make life in London better? And I'm, you know, London's a great city, but it's it can be quite overwhelming. It's noisy, it's busy. Um, it's been weird during lockdown because it has been quite quiet and the traffic's been minimal and the air's been nice. But mm-hmm. I just thought, what would make London better? And um, to be honest, that was a dog. So that, that led me to this pooch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Jen and I, we both,
0: I have two dogs and she's now got one dog, but they just, I mean, it's the balancing of them that changes life. So you got Indy to sort of help manage and sort of help you work with your anxiety then?
2: Yeah. I went to the doctors, I guess it was about, gosh, six years ago, something like that. And I was chatting to them about anxiety and how, you know, London and all of that stuff. And they just said, have you ever considered therapy dogs? And I was like, what's that? So I had to look into it and um, yeah. So people, there were quite a few academic articles and um, research into how dogs, as you say, make change, everything, make everything better. Um, And also I have um, so OCD. So checking doors, checking, everything's off. And they were like, well, maybe take your mind off things, you know, Uh, rather than, rather than medicating, let's try a dog. And obviously this isn't for everybody. You know, my anxiety, isn't that severe. Um, Clearly I just, I was in that massive rut. And yeah, so they suggested um, a dog, which for me was just like, all right, cool. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> You've been waiting for that permission for a long time.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they'd said, I don't know, go get a anything else, but you know, um, yeah. So that led me to thinking about dogs, and then because I uh, enjoy research, I did a lot of research. Like these people at the moment who are buying puppies, just buy a puppy. I've got a photo of before we got into the notepad and copying things out of a book like okay so what kind of dog should we get we've got to get one that's good in flats because we live in a flat we've got to get one that's like you know uh quiet and it was like whip it everything led us back to whip it i even googled best dog to have in a flat in london number one is a doberman i was like mm, the silent killer let's not get one of those. <laughs> um, they don't bark they just you know they scare me um, and number two was a greyhound i was like well we've got a flight of stairs i'm not carrying a 30 kilo greyhound up the stairs yet although I might do soon um so yeah that led us on to to whippets and they don't bark well he doesn't and um yeah I mean the only thing is they can be quite anxious which is ironic that my anxiety dog is anxious but you know <laughs> well but then you focus yeah you, you focus on him instead of you yeah so. exactly His
0: anxiety <laughs> takes you out of your own sort of moment of OCD or you know, anxiety and focuses you on him, and that's in and, and a really good, positive. There's an exchange there too. It's not just about you know what you know the focus on him. It's he gives back, and then there's a whole little relationship there, which is really sweet, really, really sweet. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about you and archaeology, mm. and you've been recently down some rabbit holes uh in context to man and canine and how this relationship that we're talking about now actually all came to be um how did mm-hmm. this all start for us homo sapiens i'm gonna let you uh I, I don't know the big words so how did
2: this all start for us yeah humans? so it seems like um when you look back at evolution. And at the moment, I think most of it is focused on Homo sapiens, but there is some chat around um, Neanderthals, so Homo neanderthalensis. Okay, and they're the country. Mm -hmm. They're the crew that was before us type thing. Um, They were, so it's a bit confusing, but Neanderthals were around the same time as us. So they're technically Uh our cousins. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were. They went extinct when we came uh when we were kind of evolving into Homo sapiens. Oh, we just showed so them it, right out of the way. Yeah. There's a lot of research going on that's trying to prove that we didn't just uh kill them all. Um, <laughs> okay. well, how surprising. It's a bit awkward. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but you know, in this country we've also got high homo heidelbergensis, and they were uh prevalent um uh, across the south of Britain. So like um post ice age okay and then you've got you know the kind of the the research is looking more and more about the kind of symbiotic union of wolves and humans and more and more you look at some grave sites and you can see like at box grave in the uk you can see there's um humans buried alongside well not alongside but around the same time period as wolves so it's not necessarily they were buried together but they were certainly there at the same time so it doesn't say that they were together but we know that they were there. So whether they were living together or not. um, And what kind of year is this
0: we're talking about? Like
2: Boxgrove is about 100,000 years ago. So let me just check my, I'm really bad at dates. So you're talking like uh, early Pleistocene, I think. I'm going to get in so much trouble when I get these dates wrong. Um, (laughs) But you don't, I mean, you don't see them. Obviously, there's no writing. So you don't see anything written about why mm. people were doing things or how. So we're going completely on, you know, human remains, uh, artifacts, other remains. And it's not until, and this is where I have to check my notes, it's not until around the upper Pleistocene, so around 58,000 years ago, so that would be Homo sapiens, that they start finding graves with dogs in. And mm. there's, a, there's a famous one from Germany now that looks like two graves. And there's been a dog that's been buried with them, which is a puppy who had, I think, parvo. Oh, wow. And they've clearly cared for that puppy. And we're, now we're talking about dogs, of course. So, right, okay. you know, you, we're seeing the evolution of humans alongside the evolution of wolves to dogs. Um, wow. And there's a lot of discussion around that. And, you know, did people keep, did wolves live with humans? So maybe the more passive wolves, maybe the wolves that would, you know, like to be fed by humans. Because, you know, we have this kind of innate desire to feed things. You know, when mm. we were in the woods the other day, there's a crow looking at us. And my friend started trying to feed the crow. I'm like, what are you doing? she's like, Crows, remember? <laughs> and then crows are kind to you. I was like, okay. Oh. So we're going to oh. domesticate crows? Brilliant. Let's take a crow home. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> But it's that kind of thing. If you continually feed, say, wolves, um, and then over the generations they get more and more accustomed, more and more, um, you know, easy living with humans, mm-hmm. um, and then you end up getting something like the dog that's sitting behind me whilst yeah. I sit on the floor and he's on the couch. So you know,
0: that evolution, evolution makes
2: sure. Hundred percent,
0: hundred percent sense. Yeah, yeah. Back to these these two people that were buried with their puppy. What? Yeah. Did, how did they find them? What did they find the humans with? How, how did how did they uh, uncover them?
2: So it was a an excavation in Germany, and it was a grave site. So it was two. I think it was two children. Don't kick me. Um, so yeah, it was two children. They appeared to be buried with. Um, so I think it was just a chance excavation, because that's generally how things work in archaeology, that we just, we have to excavate, you know, like a car park and we find find Richard III in a car park. In <laughs> <laughs> Standard. Standard. <laughs> Standard car parks and farmers. This is archaeology, exactly. actually, it turns out. exactly. I mean, watch The Dig on Netflix, you know. She's found mm-hmm. a big mound in her garden. What is it? Sutton Hoo. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> big old Viking burial. God's sake. Sorry, uh, Anglo-Saxon burial. Um, so, yeah, so they were probably just doing a um, an excavation and they just came across these burial sites. And then as archaeologists, we looked at all the burial goods and what they're buried with. And they just happened to be buried with a puppy that they'd clearly kept alive. And the important part there is that they kept it alive, which shows that they were caring for it. Um, I mean, you, you know, when we think about it, 58,000 years ago, it's a drop in the ocean. So these people were no, not any different to us. They were humans. They were, our brains were very similar. They're, just because they didn't have iPhones doesn't mean they weren't as intelligent, probably in a way more so because they had to, you know, live outside and, you know, fend for themselves. Um, but it, I mean, it's interesting the way we look at dogs now, and like you were saying about, you know, looking at the dog and kind of just getting lost and um, going gooey over the dog. It's this, i was in a queue yesterday for a coffee and this man was holding a golden um, retriever puppy in his arms like it was his baby and he was kind of doing this with it kind of sh- like, <laughs> like you hold a baby and you just shake it to sleep and i was like wow we've all been there is it um, actually
0: burping yeah. the baby,
2: or yeah i think mm-hmm.
0: so yeah right so yeah so now and, and if, if you found these two people with a puppy in germany this is, has yeah. to have be happening other places too
2: yeah yeah absolutely i think um you know looking at uh, looking at now how how we feel about dogs on the planet and you know if i see a picture of a stray dog in spain all i want to do is go rescue it um and that's true for most of the human population i mean obviously there are people that don't don't like dogs but we don't trust them so um (laughs) that's true that's true you know as i say we haven't changed that much so in the same way that um we like having animals around us and that there's something around the way we feel about dogs and the way dogs look at us and there's a really interesting study about dogs eyebrows and obviously they don't technically have eyebrows but how they when they look at you and they give you the puppy dog eyes to get food you see that wolves don't have it uh, the wolves that we still have and equally things like huskies don't have it so huskies were very are very much you know kind of more wolf-like and i'm i've never been keen on huskies they've always scared me a little bit but when I look at Indian, he looks at me and he lifts his little eyebrows, and I'm just like, I will give you whatever you want. <laughs> if you want a snack, if you want to cuddle, I don't know, but I'll give you whatever you want because of your stupid eyes that are just loving me. Oh, yeah. And it's that. And, and then you start thinking about how, okay, so a dog did that. The human's like, wow, I'll give you everything. The dog's like, I've got everything. What am I going to do? And then they breed from it. And all the puppies are like, wow, well, we've got everything. What are we going to do? Stay with the humans. So it's the same kind of feelings around uh, dogs that I think have always always been though
0: yeah it's it is quite a connection and it does feel like it's an old old connection doesn't it because there's a deep sense of continuity there um and I couldn't one for live live without them so mm-hmm. how or why did you introduce indie to your work life what how did that come about
2: so I like to call this my ultimate work it's win of <laughs> uh, whatever um so I've been in my job for 12 years and before that I was a student in the department so I carried on and my my role at the moment is um it's a bit of a weird one it's something like I'm careers tutor I know that I'm careers tutor uh in archaeology so it's the University College London Institute of Archaeology so the UCL IOA I work with students and I work with incoming students so I tend to um do outreach across the world for archaeology programs um I do field work. I do well-being, which is the, the, the important part of where this is going. And my, my role is something really weird, like student experience officer.
1: Um, I don't really
2: know what that means, but um, I think it means that I do many, many different things. So I do all the social media stuff. So I went to my boss one day and I just said, look, you know, uh, the doctors suggested maybe considering the doc. Now, I don't. You know, we live in a flat and we got in touch with the people in the flat, and they were like, You can only have a dog if it doesn't bark. If it barks once and someone makes a complaint, the dog's gone. So I was like, And I can't work. So I was like, Okay, let's, um, I have to take this dog to work. So this will only work if I can take the dog to work. And I walked to work anyway. So I was like, Boom, you know, walk to work, walk home, exercise, dog. And I spoke to them at work and they were like, No, no, that's not going to fly. So I was like, Okay. So I walked away and I thought, Well, they're academics. So I looked up every single paper. Mm-hmm. that's been recently done especially across um north america about the effects the effects of having a dog in your workplace so places like google and i think probably patagonia do it and um, apple do it as well they allow you to bring your dogs in you know and, and they look at the effects of having them and it was something like a increase in productivity of like 80 percent when people were happier so hmm, shocking. i took this to them and i i know it's, it's amazing isn't it mm-hmm. people were happy um <laughs> so i took this to them and i was like okay so i think this can really benefit the students i think if we if i train him as a therapy dog which turned out to be not a lot of training he's very much a therapy dog um anyway um i was like if he gets a therapy dog assessment which is in this country through a company called pets as therapy <clears throat> and they work with nhs they work with schools they work across lots of different. You can go into like um, uh, care homes, that kind of thing. Um, and they were like, OK, we'll consider it. So they went away and they literally had to speak to the head of the university, our provost. <laughs> and they came back. They were like, well, some of them think that, you know, it's a bad idea in case he mauls somebody to death. And I was like, fair, that's fair. <laughs> I try not to get a dog that does that. Um, and it you was kind of decided. I know. Don't that's maul someone and work. don't.
1: That's one more vote against
2: the Doberman, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When I was like, can I get a Doberman? Yeah. Can we get a Doberman or, I don't know, some kind of... I don't know, a wolf. Can we get a wolf? Um, (laughs) I'm getting a whip. It's sort
0: of like getting a cat, too, in some
2: ways. It is. Exactly. It really is. I mean, the only person that lost really was me because I looked into all of it. I was like, boom, okay. Good natured, doesn't bark, really good with humans, cat-like. But I didn't wow. think about the fact that he doesn't like walking. And I was walking him to work one day and he was really like stalling and just looking at me like I hate you. Because <laughs> it's five miles each way. And this man's wow. and went, this, this man just went, Hello. Um, you do know you've got a whip it. And I just looked at him and I was like, I see what you're saying. Yes. Oh, that's hilarious. He's like, I don't mean, know, so running or like walking. Sleeping? I was like, Yes. Yeah. That's oh, the, running that's or sleeping.
1: Oh, it's not exercise. It's just oh walking gosh, is so a waste funny. of time for them. Uh, yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. So he, he just looks at you like oh, and then yeah. So I had to carry him a lot in the early days, which I think then ruined it now because he, he oh, he's twenty kilos. And he looks at him like, could you carry me? It's like, oh that's my gosh. I was thought hilarious. you were going to
1: say then you started jogging to work instead
2: to make him happy. Oh, we oh wow, we tried that once. We tried jogging together, and I tripped over him, and we both ended up on the floor together and he said see that didn't work out well did it stop running
0: (laughs) so we just need to take a quick little break and we will be right back hey guys i wanted to tell you a little bit about otis and rue dog collars we design and produce high quality small batch dog collars with adorable matching keychains and super cute dog bandanas We use new ribbon, vintage ribbon, and 100% cotton and wool fabrics. Our styles are one-of-a-kind and we always design with three priorities in mind. Quality, style, and comfort. And don't forget, we give you a free matching keychain with your dog collar so you can always match your pup. We are passionate about giving back to our animal community. So with every purchase, we give a portion of proceeds to animals in need. We care deeply about the organizations we support, and we will always keep you up to date on who they are. Go to our website, otisandroo.com, and check out our merch and help support our favorites. That's O-T-I-S-A-N-D-R-O-O.com. otisandroo.com, where we design to create connection.
2: All right, now back to the interview. Um, but so I got- Commission and basically they said let's see how it goes. So again, it was a bit like the flat situation. You know, if he barks or if he does anything that's crazy, we might have to rethink the situation, which was fair enough. But luckily, from day one in my office, I have an office on my own, so it was all very handy that I'm on the ground floor of our building. I have an office completely on my own. We thought about things like allergies. I mean, the number of things. we've written health and safety documents, we've written risk assessments around him about you know what do we do when people have allergies. I mean, luckily. He's not a dog that sheds. He doesn't lick anything. Um, so he doesn't really lick people, you know, whippets are, as you say, cat-like. They're not They're not exactly those dogs that run up to you to say hi. They're more like, if you have food, I'll consider it, but you'll probably have to come to me. Um, I mean, when people come into my office, they knock and he doesn't even get up. He doesn't look. He, he We have no problem with the postman. You know, he's that kind of dog that's just like, oh, no, it's not worth it. And you watch his head, you watch him tick over. Like, is it worth it? Is it worth it now? I'm just going to sit here. He's a really funny guy. But um, so the idea was that we support students through it. And luckily it was around, I say luckily, not luckily at all, but it was around 2016 that we got him. He was born on the 4th of May. um, May the 4th, if you will. And uh, I had him in work from July. And then June time was when Brexit happened in this country. Oh, right. So all of our students who were pretty devastated, as, as were we, um, were like, can I stroke your dog? I was like, yes. So right from the get-go, and a series of events happened, as we know, through 2016, 17, 18. And the number of students that literally come to my office and say, I don't need to talk to you, Charlotte. You carry on working. I just want to stroke Indy. And I'll sit on the floor in my office and stroke him. Um, and within a couple of weeks, it became very clear that he was pretty popular. I'd never had so many people in my office. And then we started doing therapy sessions at UCL. So we'd um they they got involved more with the Peters' therapy so they'd get more dogs and we'd be there, especially around exam time. People would finish their exam and then come over and stroke the dogs. You know, they'd get an excitable spaniel or something, and then they would be indie for the people that wanted to stroke a cat dog. Um and yeah, so it's it's been going well since then. And whenever I'm in work, he's with me. Um he obviously you know, by creating this monster, we've now got a dog with separation anxiety because he's never been without me. Mm. Um, yeah, so he doesn't bark. He's the perfect archaeology dog companion. And I think we've got some students because of him.
0: As it should be. As it should, exactly. It sounds like UCL quickly realised the, the real value in, um, and certainly students, what an effect that must have to be able to come and if they're missing their dogs from home or they just, that 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 the, the what happens in the brain, the neurology of what happens and the chemistry that happens with our, with our bodies, just to be with an animal is so comforting and calming. Um, I think it's incredible that you've done that and introduced that. And it just, it's just so, it seemed inevitable that that was all going to work out really well. It sounded like you had the feeling and you're going for it. And it, it just, it's such a, it's such a grounding addition to Mm. academia and it's
1: stressful being away from home as a new student, um, possibly in a new culture. Well, and I don't know what it's like in Britain, but I mean, I have kids who are almost done college now, but it's been a thing for the past several years that they bring in dogs at exam time. They Mm. bring in dogs. That's a thing they do. Oh yeah. And so like, it's like, it's, it's part of the curriculum in a lot of places now is you you have your exam, you're stressed, you go hang out with puppies, and sometimes you know puppies can be more stressful for some people, especially if you're not a dog person, so a dog that's more like a cat for someone who maybe already struggles with anxiety, having something jumping at, you might not be great, but it, anyway that that's a thing that in the states at least is it's It's well recognized and it happens a lot of places, maybe not people taking their dogs to work yet, but I don't know if that's true, but definitely bringing dogs in at stressful times for the student's sake
2: absolutely, and they have
1: seen the effects are so positive yeah
2: mm-hmm. yeah there the um when I was looking for the academic papers around these studies they're all um you know North American studies around it Uh uh-huh. um so that was one of the really the, the, the big reasons that ucl were happy with the idea was because he was going to be you know across ucl kind of dog so we, we he's even been to um you know he does staff um therapy as well so my, my partner works at the british museum and he's been into not the british museum galleries because that's not allowed but he's been into like the staff quarters and we've had staff just come to say hi to him and it's, it's the, the effect I find incredible. And some people obviously don't like dogs. I'm acutely aware that people don't like dogs, but he doesn't jump up. So, and we keep him away. And I always say to people, you know, if you don't like them, just tell me. I'll keep him away from you. You know, it's not, it's not a deal breaker. You don't have to touch the dog. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: but yeah. yeah, no,
2: that's amazing. So how,
0: how overall has Indy inspired you, um, connected you to yourself? other people, your environment? What has he done for you in terms of balancing your life?
2: So he has made me probably, some people would disagree with this because they know me too well, but I'm, I'm 100% in my eyes less neurotic. Um, I see myself as being much calmer, um, but also much more likely to just get up and do something. So in the past, as I say, it would be like, are all the windows shut? Now, if he's standing by the door, we have to go out. So you you start living through them, and everything gets more um, structured, which I really liked as well. So especially, you know, thinking about it, you know, retrospectively, having him before COVID, and then during our lockdown one, you were only allowed out. It was really, you know, it was look. It seems so long ago now, but you weren't allowed out unless you had a very good reason to be out. And obviously, if I've got a dog and no garden we have to go out because he cannot use the loo he does not have thumbs um <laughs> not so yet. we have to go out mm-hmm. exactly not yet um so we, we I have to take him out and that routine of you go out every morning you have to get up and you have to go out and it got to the stage before him that I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be like okay I'm working from home today because I just couldn't face going to work I couldn't face going out and I'd sit around in my pajamas and do work but There was no reason to leave the house and that got problematic, you know, alongside things like anxiety, although they all go hand in hand. But then having him, you have to. There's no choice. There's no like, oh, I feel a bit rubbish today. I have to go out. I have to take him out. You know, he's not exactly stressful. As I say, we've been out once for half an hour walk and now he's so very tired. (laughs) Um, But I mean, he's so simple, you know, you know, from having dogs, they don't know about Covid. They don't know about politics. So when we're all getting upset and angry and furious at how the world's just on fire, and the dog's like, I'd like some food now. I'd like a cuddle. Please take me out. You know, they're not thinking about politics. They just want you to stroke them. And I think that's so pure and so something we could just, you know, I used to be quite quite relatively ambitious. And now I'm like, in five years, I'd like to be living in Wales or Scotland to have him a donkey and a goat and to live off the land
1: oh goals well and they're so in the moment i feel like that's a thing for some of us who tend to want to control everything or plan or or be prepared for any eventuality they don't they we have to stay in the moment a little bit with them we can't get to yeah inside our own heads and we have to put ourselves out for them because they do need us so we can't just be like i'm too depressed to take you out today we'll do it for them because we
2: love them you're you're right it's so living in the moment with them and you, we could also learn when you're beating yourself up at 4 a.m about something you said in a meeting the day before that you can't do anything about now it's happened it's gone you know just forget it and we could learn from dogs in that way to to just take the pressure off ourselves ourselves
0: so i just want to wrap this up but I want to ask you first though this bigger conversation why do you think this obviously we think this is important but why do you think it's important in terms of your and our connection to really understanding the deeper underlying connections that we have to dogs and and animals um across the board really I mean why 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 is this important to talk about
2: I think you know at a massive level when we think about climate change and the way we have impacted the planet. I mean, I, I studied, um, yeah, primates at university and my favourite, reason I got into that was because of ra- orangutans and obviously the deforestation in places like Borneo and Sumatra. And you see those films of orangutans um, fighting with the diggers. And I can't even, I, I just, I well up saying it out loud. And it's like, you look at an orangutan's face and you see, you know, intelligence and you see the amazing things that are going on and we're like you know we have wrecked your planet dude and we're doing it to all the animals you know we are it's our fault you know whatever anybody's thoughts on climate change are we are having a negative impact and we are speeding things up to a point that is obviously hugely damaging um and world ending that's not my dog's fault he doesn't do that you know he sure he breaks wind sometimes and that's a bit of methane but apart from that he's not doing anything wrong he doesn't use plastic um we even have a hard dog soap which he insisted we got because he doesn't agree with plastic um but the point is that we are you know we're in charge of so much we're custodians of this planet and we have all these animals and, and we're just we're just ruining it for everybody and i think when you look at it like that and you think god you know we have these amazing things and yet we we still want more. We still want more cars or we still want, you know, jumbos or bigger houses. And yet I feel very happy. As I said, I just want to live in a house. Not, I don't want a big house. I don't want for much. I just really love the company of a dog um, and other animals as well. So I think, I think the more we connect to nature and the more we understand that we have this impact, the more likely we are to have the chance to make things at least slightly better for the next generation, um, and to give them the opportunity to see orangutans, or you know, to live with dogs, or um, you know, to have a positive impact somewhere. And I think we only do that by interacting with nature. I think that's why it's important that we actually take the time to think about what we're doing with this planet. You know, we all know during the first big lockdown, uh, emissions in London went down. Uh, the lack of planes, but, you know, the world was suddenly a bit healthier very quickly and it was so quick that the impact was seen That that's the really big thing all these people are like oh we can't do anything now it's like, well we, we can and you know that's just and, and, and having that and having that you know having an animal also the other thing about having an animal in the house is that I just think god he's just like a step away from a wolf mm-hmm. I'm basically sitting next to a wolf right clearly <laughs> this is a wild animal in my house <laughs> I also find that really exciting um like I'm some kind of Nell or Dr Doolittle type um yeah so I just I just think that that we can really relate more to what's happening in the world by by looking at animals yeah
0: well that's really it's beautifully said and I appreciate um hearing your perspective and we of course completely agree and um I'm I'm still a little tripped up by your orangutans fighting off the people who are destroying their stories. But that's for another time. That's for another time. Um, The tissues. Thank God for tissues
2: here. I'll get them in a second. But,
0: Charlotte, thank you so much for chatting with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Thank you for inviting me on.
0: Yeah, it's just so interesting to hear you're connecting archaeology to your you know, present day experience with indie and how um, just the whole continuity of it is just incredible. Well, thank you so much, Charlotte. We yes, really thanks. appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys, this is the takeaway portion of the podcast. Um, so we just wanted to talk a little bit about um, how we
1: felt about the interview and just how great Charlotte was, right? Yeah, she was she was so funny and so um, interesting and so, I don't know, she's just such a breath of fresh air. I, I feel like I could have just sat and listened to her stories for a long time. I just wanted to go over
0: just a couple things um, that I thought were significant and resonated for for me and I think for both of us and the podcast for sure. You know, just her highlighting just the huge benefits that, that Indy has had in her life, um, it just it, it it's not just a a nice story. It's actually real science to me, and it the, the way it's changed her life. Um, I just found inspiring, and and also sort of the empathy for herself that it also created, dealing with her anxiety and her OCD, and just the patience and sort of the the forgiveness that she has cultivated in ha- because of
1: choosing to get indie. It seems like what I was taking away from her talking about that too was just how that has destigmatized her anxiety for her too. It's just like, well, this is just w- what it was for me. And she can talk about that in a way that allows other people permission to mm-hmm. have it feel less of a stigma. Which I thought was, it was like, she didn't say it in those words, but it was sort of an undercurrent that I felt like, oh, that's just the permission yeah. that
0: that allowed her. I like that too. No, that was, that's really sweet. Yeah. And just a couple things that she had said, you know, having Indy, just there's a list, literally, you know, 100% less neurotic, much calmer, more likely to get up and was far more motivated, more structure. She loved all that. Um, getting into the city for walks, discovering parts of London and the woods that she didn't even know existed for the first 16 years of her living there. And the routine, um, you know, got her thinking outside of herself, like you were just saying, and learning from his simplicity, letting things go, Yeah, um, I thought was such a great point and more focused on her well-being and able to be in the moment in a positive way and you guys talked a little bit about that yeah um staying in the moment and yeah permission forgiveness moving on um and just overall less critical about herself it's great yeah
1: and like when she said like when she was walking with him and this guy's like you know you have a whip it right <laughs> like when he was not <laughs> wanting to walk and just have yeah. the connection to a total stranger too with humor and just like you know what you have there, right? Like, as like that was a connecting bonding and and that sort of diffusing of any, like sometimes strangers can make us feel anxious, but just that how it connects us to other people in ways that we don't even expect because, you know... You can talk about the dog because that's a safe thing where you wouldn't just randomly say something to a stranger. They would probably think you were weird. It was just an interesting yeah. thing that that thing and how that humor just like diffuses and connects. It was that was funny. That was really. Yeah, absolutely. An and
0: it was thing. like a, a kind exchange, right. you know, just a, a funny. And, and when she's talking about the guy holding the golden retriever. <laughs> Like, you're <laughs> jiggling the puppy around, like, what, what, what's happening? But yeah. it's funny, and it's cute, and yeah. it's, again, it is. It's connecting. Yeah. Um, just for a moment. Yeah. A lighthearted moment with another human because of your dog. And she also talked about how, um, you know, that we are custodians of this planet. Yeah. And yeah. it just, she's a custodian of Indy, and therefore then she's uh, she's going to care more, like we all do, If we can care more about our backyard, our community, and then be
1: more aware of what's happening in these ecosystems, it's it's going to extend and extend and extend. And not only be more aware, but really take on the fact that it's our responsibility. It's actually our, we don't, if we don't think it's our responsibility, we're just lying to ourselves because... Indy's not using plastics and like she said sometimes he breaks wind and has a little methane gas but I mean he's not he's not doing it we're doing it we're ruining it so it's like the point is that sometimes it wakes you up to the responsibility because you all of a sudden see it in your own life whereas it's easy to just be oblivious and go through life just throwing more trash away and get buying bigger cars and having bigger houses and da 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 da, And like, you, cause you don't stop and think, but just yeah. that, that it, it's, it's a, it's a wake up call when, Oh, this animal's completely dependent on me. Right. I have a responsibility now. It's not just, I want him to love me. It's like, yeah. I need to be a steward of this whole thing. That was very interesting too. Mm-hmm. And not, and, and you're uh, that, how empathy and responsibility go hand in hand. And mm-hmm. compassion and caring also, the, uh, I feel like the other side of that is responsibility. Yeah, It's absolutely. not just enough to love animals. We have to actually take action. So thanks, guys, so much for uh,
0: joining us in this episode with Charlotte and Indy. Cheers, guys. Lots of love. Kindred is hosted by me and my sister Jen, produced by Kat Gaddy and myself, Sound production and editing by Dan Cooper. Original music by Ellie Grace. And our Kindred artwork was created by Lindsay Coffin. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And feel free to contact us through our website, kindredpodcast.co, where you can also find all our links to our socials and Patreon page.